This is Rad Chad. You're listening to Interview Under Fire Deep Cuts. All right, everyone. Sunny here back on Interview Under Fire with another new episode of Deep Cuts. And for those who haven't tuned into the previous Deep Cuts episodes, this series is about where we dive behind the stage pretty much on everything happening in the music industry that doesn't entirely involve the actual musician per se. Today, I have an experienced tour manager, merch specialist, and drum tech, and that's a big deal, and Chad Topper. And, you know, Chad is a musician himself from Western Massachusetts, grew up in the hardcore scene, you know, and managed some of my favorite bands like Insomnium, Dark Tranquility, King Diamond, Obituary, Lacuna Coil, Testament, Chromax, the list goes on and on for him. And I have had the honor to personally know a few tour managers in the industry and see how professional and hardworking they are at their job. They have a very dedicated work ethic, and it's by no accident that Chad's managed those bands that I just mentioned. Chad, bro, thank you so much for joining our podcast today on IOF. I'm going to ask a very important question to start off. It's a very simple question, but I think it's a very important one to ask. How are you? (laughs) I think that's, you know, yeah, yeah. How's life in Western right now, man? (laughs) Well, first, thank you very much for having me. Um, Things are good. They're not as bad, I guess, as they could be, despite all the the wackiness that's going on right now. Um, You know, I'm just trying to stay focused, stay isolated, and just stay forward thinking so that I can get the hell back out to doing what I want to do. <laughs> as simple as an answer sounds, it's a very hard thing to do. I know it's not easy. And six months, we're, no, we're, already, we're, already, we're already half a year into this, you know? Yeah. And I, and, you know, and it's, uh, it's definitely trying on the patient's end of things, like for sure. But I guess, uh, you know, I've had some good training through this, uh, through what I do. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, you know, normally I'm interviewing people in bands on the show and all my listeners know what they do. So I know this, is, this isn't something you do often, but I think it's important for music bands to be able to hear your story. We all buy merch, we meet bands via VIP and go to shows, but there are people like you who are crucial to the industry. And most of us fans don't really get the chance to see what goes on behind the bright lights or no lights if you're a black metal band. <laughs> so for starters, tell me about your job. How would you explain what a tour manager, especially a merch person primarily does to someone who doesn't know a whole lot about the industry? Oh, uh, well, all right. Um, I'll give, I guess I'll give you the, uh, the, the, the real version. And Bullet like points this, or something like that. The, the dumbed down <laughs> version that I like to give people usually. Uh, but uh, as a tour manager, my job mainly consists of just making sure that whatever the booking agents and the managers have all worked out actually gets done. Um, we have to, I mean, it's a laundry list of things, be it that, you know, make sure to advance with the promoters to make sure that, the proper logistics are worked out for the show so that we can show up on time and, you know, sound check and make sure that not, whatever with production needs to be handled with the house and the proper stage hands are there. Um, hospitality, all, all those sorts of early logistics and then have to just more or less make sure that the show runs properly. Um, and then all the other things included with it after the fact, making sure that the band actually gets paid, um, making sure that merchandise is actually settled with and that the numbers are on and correct with that, um, which then goes into the, and then they were also leaving appropriately on time uh, to get to the next location. Um, all those sorts of, and, and yeah, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. All, uh, and all sorts of other sorry. logistics that actually go along with it too. Um, With merchandise, uh, my day mainly consists of, again, kind of making sure that merchant numbers are 
are always consistent, um, that my stock is filled for the shows and that I have to do minimal amounts of running away from the table as possible during the show. Cause I feel like that's a very important thing is being behind the table. And, um, and then again, making at the end of the night, settling with the house manager on the settlement with merchandise and, um, making sure everything's packed up and in the trailer appropriately so that we can not leave anything behind because that just wastes valuable, valuable assets. <laughs> Man, so but yeah, in a nutshell, I guess. So that is just one day, people. So the, for my listeners, this is just one day. And talking about like if you're doing a 60-day tour, this is every day. You know, how did you even get into tour managing? Because I know, did you have other behind-the-scenes job before you got into this? Uh, I had some, but they weren't nearly like as serious. Um, I did work uh, at an arena. That was probably like my first real job, like working within the industry. And like, I thought I was getting like a, a stagehand position at this arena, but instead it was like setup crew, which was way underneath that. I was literally like building hockey rinks and doing changeovers from the hockey rink to building the stage. Wow. And, like before the stagehands would actually come in and do their work. So I kind of said from then on that that's how I really wanted to learn was from the ground up. And then as a local band, like playing in the local scene and stuff, like we weren't really getting a lot of uh, notoriety uh, like or getting seen very quickly. So we were just trying to do what we could. And the only way we were getting shows was really putting on our own. So that I guess was like my real first glimpse of like, how things should actually work. It never really worked the way I wanted it to. <laughs> like, I don't think it ever like, does. <laughs> no, dude, like when you're at that level, just trying to help out friends and stuff and you're all, you know, just trying to do it. Like lots of things get, you know, quirky, I guess, uh, as you go, but you do learn a lot from it. And um, it was after, you know, as we were talking before, it was like, you know, after I kind of had to leave the bands that I was playing in at the time, that's when I actually got the first opportunity from a friend of mine who was actually in a legit touring band at the time. And it's, it's so funny. I actually heard they needed a driver and was like, Oh dude, I got like, I got to hit these guys up and try to be their driver. And I heard one of my other friends was going to drive for him. And I was like, Oh dude, he's so rad. Like there's no way they're going to want me to drive. But then things got kind of weird with him. He ended up not being able to do the next thing. And I just so happened to leave the band at the time and saw one of the guys walking home from his lady's house at the time, picked him up, gave him a ride home, just, you know, hey, bud, what's up? And, and I guess that kind of sparked it in their head. So they gave me a, a phone call like that week and asked me if I was into tour managing. I, I had no idea what the hell they actually meant. I did not know what the job actually entailed, like at all. Is like, this outbreak? Yeah, yeah, without yeah. break, yep. Yeah, so I had no idea. And, and again, Ryan from Outbreak, it's like, that dude was a serious dude at a pretty young age. Like he was booking his own band when he was in high school, like just calling wow. up venues and booking them. And like, and I just, I, I found that to be like so crazy at the time. I was like, I didn't know you could just do that. And I was like, and now I'm going to learn from this dude who runs his own label and his own booking agency. I was like, man, I like, I, I better not fuck this up because like this, it could be good, but it could be real bad. Like this could be the only chance I get. And so luckily, like, it worked out in a really good way. Like, it was an eight-day tour down to do the fest down in Gainesville, a huge punk festival. And then they were like, if you do all right, then we got four days at home, and we got a month out after that. And I was like, 
okay, just shit and bricks. And they're like, we'll show you, you know, we'll show you the ropes. We're not going to, we're not just going to fucking act like you know what you're doing and tell you to fuck off after you don't do it right. Like, we'll tell you what you're doing wrong. And they really did. Like, yeah, they really put me through some cool shit. And I'm very fortunate for that. And then now look at your resume. Like you, you have all these bands that you work with in the past that I that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and you know it brings you to where you are now. Having said yeah. that, you know it's been a real interesting inter- interesting time for you, especially these last couple of months. How have things been for you? If there were to describe the nature things are in, like what are you doing to make the most of this current situation, half a year into a pandemic? Well, I guess for me, like um, I've like. I don't know. I feel like I've, I consistently get a lot of different ideas, like be it like stories or like, I still like write music occasionally. I'm not in like an active band, but I'm trying to, you know, get that kind of stuff going. So like a, a lot of that kind of stuff, just trying to, I guess, retort to the things that just, I know will make me happy, which is usually like working with my hands or working with my head. So I've definitely been drawing a lot more. I've been writing lyrics or just like, jokes which is something I never really did before just because I feel like the desire to just make people smile and laugh again is something we're all missing in a big way so I've been doing that Um, getting in a lot of other just ideas and just trying to formulate them further I guess uh, if you ever start like a comedic gig called the Rat Chat, I'll be your biggest endorser. <laughs> oh, dude, I'd be, I'd be so into it. Be Can you imagine if you go like Instagram Live or Facebook Live? All right, guys. You know, live streaming is a very important thing that you've seen a lot, you know, these days. And I feel like this pandemic, you know, everything that you mentioned kind of did open up new things for you personally and professionally and artistically that you may have not noticed before about yourself. Is that true? I think with, I think with a lot of people, I think it has. I think for me... I've, I've realized a long time ago that this, this is definitely a lot of who I am and, but I haven't had to been able to like specificate that actual time to sit down and get into some of these projects or some of these ideas. So I'm definitely fortunate that I've been able to get into some of that. And even same with like, because I'm gone half the year, we'll say it's like, you know, there's a lot of friendships and things like that at home that have lacked in my absence of being able to actually be around them. So yeah. super happy that I've been able to see and hang around and have even phone conversations with people that I haven't been able to have in years. So that all has been very, very much like helping ease this time that's been going by for sure. Man, I remember when that pandemic was first announced, like a month into the pandemic, our sleep schedules were just upside down. And now, now we're like two or three months and then, and then, and then four months and then five months. We're like, okay, this shit's getting real. I, I need to figure out to, how to become a human being again. <laughs> Cause you know, yeah. of course, oh, I don't man, know. I was going to be, tough. I was going to be doing podcasts <laughs> six months later. Cause you know, we usually do these interviews in person, but now it's, it's starting to become a routine now. And then when we get back out, it's like, okay, we got to just back to life as we know it before the pandemic because life is it's different now we have to adjust it's yeah almost no choice now and and you're doing that yeah trying to like my best like uh and i and i know it's it's like some days are definitely better than others but it's like i'm just still trying to maintain that forward attitude and just staying positive because i i can remember a time where i wasn't necessarily as happy and as positive and how much a time like this would have been very detrimental for me at that time. Like it just would have, just wouldn't have been good. Like uh, I, I, I prefer the mindset that I'm in right now and just trying to keep with that. Definitely. 
having well, let's talk about the good times now because you know you did tour extensively within the last you started this 2009 man and now you're you know, 11 yeah. years into this into this I, I do want to call it a profession because it's a very respectful position that you're in that you've been doing touring extensively all those bands that you've toured with you know insomnia dark tranquility king diamond and you did even merch for the t- 70,000 tons of metal for the last three years. Mm, yeah. All these things that I mentioned, what was your favorite part about touring? Because now you've kind of taken like an unseen step back. And does it make you have a growing appreciation of the tour life? Because we're talking culture, fans, even the food. There's just so many factors that make up the touring life for what it is. What was your favorite part about it? Uh, honestly, I think at this point, it was truly the camaraderie of it all. Like being able to work with people where you are really on the same page and and it's not like you don't have faults but you figure out your faults and people are quick to tell you and they're not shy about it and I I don't know I feel like this is much more of the atmosphere that has always just made me so much more positive and happy throughout my life and to be working in it on this level now to me the yeah definitely the friendships the camaraderie the like uh, being able to be a part of moments for people that they will remember for a lifetime because it's just a separation of their regular life. Like that's huge that it's become part of my life. Like it's, that's huge. Like, and as much as you say, like all the traveling, all the food, all like the crap, all the, it's like, there really is so much of this that is all encompassing to me. Like, even if it's not even always financially the best, like, like the early days were financially horrible, but it's like, it was still so providing for me in ways and enriching in ways that so many other things weren't. So mm-hmm. I, I miss that enriching atmosphere, but I'm uh, just, again, just looking forward to it again. <laughs> okay. You know, this question was coming. Is there a tour that stands out at the top of your head? As far as like uh, one of the better tours? Yeah. That or even to. or even a bad tour man i want you to let it all out here this well, is I'll, fire. Talk, I'll talk about the better ones because i mean i haven't yeah. really had a ton of bad ones i've had like some shitty things happen on tours that you know definitely maybe not have been the best but overall like i feel like most of the tours that i've done i've been super lucky about who i've been able to be around but like in particular that that king diamond tour was a very very special tour to me like it was a it was a very I guess like unexpected thing because a few months prior it was like I was on Mayhem Fest and King was on the main stage and I was working for a band that was on the small stage and that's actually how I met Steven and oh wow and uh what what year was that it was 2015 summer 2015 oh, okay okay I, I actually missed that one I, I did tell Steven this yeah okay okay makes sense and now. uh and like I just remember on that tour in particular like how much like all of the smaller bands and us, like when we were breaking down our stage every night and our night was over, King would be on stage and we were all just like absolutely fascinated with King. Like I, like I had gotten into him a couple years prior when he had performed at the venue that I work at. Like I uh, like was doing security at the time and kind of got stashed up in the balcony to make sure people weren't like smoking weed and shit. And, uh, and I was like, I literally just like kind of sat back and watched the show for the first time ever and was so blown away by it all. And so then fast forward to Mayhem Fest, it was like, I really just fell in love with the whole production and like the sound, just everything about that show was just so cool. 
And I definitely did not expect that that later November, October, November, that I'd be doing merch on that fucking tour. Like that blew my mind. And like Exodus was the support. And it was like, this is like being a shitty hardcore kid. It was like, that's, <laughs> that's not the world I come from. And I couldn't believe that I was there every day. Like such a cool experience overall, just being around all those people. Like, <clears throat> yeah band and crew that like we had a crew bus and a separate band band bus and all those people on that crew it was like people i like could talk about just you're speechless yeah i I can tell yeah it's it's amazing like some of those people were just so cool to rub elbows with and live around for that you know month and a half or so well yeah well i mean yeah, well, here's to, you know, hoping you get to do this, you know, right out of the gate when this comes picks back up. You know, I have I had one artist on here where uh, uh, she was saying that how when she would wake up in the morning on like a tour bus, she would just hear the boom, boom of like, like the, the drum tech or something like that. Just, you know, just something like that. Just little nuances that you don't really notice, you know, just on an average day. But now when you think about it, it's like, okay, I, I miss that part. I miss this part. Yeah. I, miss, I miss opening yeah. the fridge and seeing just booze everywhere you know just littered you know and it's it's a change of atmosphere man yeah and that was uh like it was funny because i was just looking at the post that i had made for the slayer tour that i was working for testament on i was doing merch for them and that was another like super special one for that reason it was like i knew right away going into that thing like that was going to be like metal summer camp and I never got to go to summer camp as a kid. So it was like, <laughs> this is going to be really cool. So I, I really just tried to sit back and soak it all up. Like really just try to cher- like cherish those moments because getting into this, I really didn't know how long it would last. I didn't think it would last 10 years. That's for damn sure. Like, oh, yeah. So yeah, it's, I, I definitely try to recognize those moments for myself. Like. Every tour you mentioned, I feel like I'm pretty sure you and me have ran into each other. Maybe, maybe once. Because the more tours you mentioned, the more I'm like, okay, I was there. I was there. We, if, <laughs> if, if you have bought merchandise from any one of those bands, there's oh, a yeah. good chance that I have sold it to you if if I was on that tour. Like, there's been a few tours I haven't been on, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, I'm sure. I'm sure we have. Well, well, now we now we will for sure. You know, and we <laughs> I talked about this briefly, and this has been a popular subject in my show for the last six months. And I, I don't know, I think it's just going to be something that will always be talked about. And you've seen it, live streaming. Everything mm. you just mentioned, from production to meeting the artists to just the presence, just the atmosphere of just being there, it's, it's different now. And mm. so many bands have taken to, you know, doing it like we are, we are right now, you know, as, as far as like presenting it to live streaming or just putting on a podcast or, you know, just putting on a Facebook video, Nilo from Insomnium, you know, we had him on our show a few months ago and he talked about how they were one of the first bands to take their performance on the screen. And mm-hmm. I believe they sold virtual tickets to fans uh, yeah, online. And then, yeah. 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 And they had some technical issues, but they, but they broadcasted the live streaming of a concert on an empty venue for fans. And mm-hmm. a lot of the bands have caught on code orange also did it. They were one of the first bands who also did it. Oh, I got to see that one. I love so they're at, I think this was the two days right after the pandemic. They did the concert in that empty venue in Pittsburgh. That's right. Um, that is right. I gotta, I gotta go find that. So I wanted to ask you being on the road as long as you have, do you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? 
Uh, I foresee, you know, some bands doing it because, like, uh, say, for instance, some bands might not have the ability to go off and do, like, a full month-long tour or even a week, but maybe they're together for a weekend and they want to do something for their fans. Um, so I can, I can imagine that some bands will do it. I don't think it's going to be a super prevalent thing that's going to, like, take over the industry or anything. I really do feel like, especially right now with the fact that everybody's been like locked in indoors for the most part is that when shows come back, people are going to want to get out. When events come back in general, people are going to want to be at them because they've just been cooped up. So I don't think the live stream uh, thing is going to really put a, a big dent on the live industry itself, but I do foresee some bands still doing it as a way to, you know, make some money and give their fans like some more interest in the fact that they're still doing things. Yeah, see, I love asking this question because first, there's no right or wrong answer to this because everybody just has a different perspective. You know, from a tour right. manager's perspective like you, you've seen it from behind the stage. You've seen how the fans interact with the with the band and back and forth. And it's different if I see, you know, Testament, you know, in front of the, you know, in front of me on stage, you know, as opposed to Chuck Billy on the screen. Of course, I have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I want, which is great. I love that. That's great. But I can't do it for so long. <laughs> there's a limit no, to that. That's absolutely and it's the same for the performers too it's like a lot of them you know aren't on a stage because they want to play to five people and 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 essentially just their crew it's like they want to perform for people like they get a vigor from it that it like that they're gonna they're gonna play that much more with angst and you know energy it, it, so long as the crowd is giving it back to them and that's a huge thing especially in like the heavier genres i'd say or even I mean, just any genre, really. Yeah. Like, did you see Metallica? They dare, they're doing the live streaming. Uh, the uh, what is it? The drive-in. Did you hear about that? Like, they are going to do that. Yeah, they are going to do that. And we had Jennifer from Beyond the Black. Uh, they're they're from Germany, and they did a they did a a concert. I don't know if you saw this. I thought it was a meme at first, but it actually happened. <laughs> there were cars that were parked in, like in front of this uh, the stage. Like, I think they were like eight feet apart. It was a yep. drive-in concert and it yep. was just yep. so odd to see like the beyond the black was performing and it was just cars there. And you know how, actually, you, you know how they do the whole uh, group picture of the band and the fans in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. they did that. And it just, it was just cars. <laughs> That's amazing. I actually do have a friend that did a short tour like that in the States, like during this whole COVID thing. Yeah. That it was just, a uh, I can't remember. I think it might've been a country act, but they were all hitting just drive-ins. And I do think that that was a good aesthetic, at least just to get like some summer shows out there again. I know it wouldn't necessarily work in a lot of, in a lot of places, but I think if some people were willing to put in that kind of effort and people were willing to, you know, respect the rules and regulations of, staying in your car and you know making sure nothing silly happens then i like that idea i think it, i don't think it was a terrible one i've seen some other things happen uh festival wise for some like local bands that i don't necessarily back as much uh meanwhile i've seen some other small like shows happen for like you go to this place they have three live bands play and they're going to do dinner so everybody's sitting at a table it's all outside so it's like there's a lot of different kind of areas of it that are are kind of cool where i don't know if it work but it's at least like i don't know i think it's good that the ideas are flowing i just don't want to see any uh any spreads i just yeah. want to get back as soon, as soon as possible so the more people can 
I guess, respect that whole thing. Like I've, I've been isolating like crazy just in solidarity factors alone. Like I don't feel like I, I should be going out to a bar if I can't go out to a bar because I'm not on tour. Yeah. Kind of for thing. me. Well, for me, you know, I'm in Dallas and I'm sure you heard the Texas situation. Like it's, it's Texas is just in it upside down, you know, and, and I'm actually already, you know, compromised. So I, I actually can't go out. So if I get, if I get it, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. So I have yeah, to, so, so, it, so I'm here because of doctor's orders. So that everyone's in a different situation. Will right. you, will you be able to pick back up right where you left off when bands start playing again for you? I, I, I hope so. I mean, I, I'd like to think that because I also work at the venue that when all of this starts to kick back off, like it might be three to six months after they kind of give it the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd like to think that at least with most of the bands that I'm like most currently working for that, yeah, we're, we're going to try to all get back out there. It seems like, you know, the interest hasn't gone away for me as far as working for them goes. So uh, yeah, I think as when this does kick off, I'm hoping that it'll be fairly busy. It might be even busier than before, just because again, so many people are going to want to get back out. So we'll see. I don't know. And I'm there's going to be there's going to be an oversaturation of the market. I'm sure you already know this. When it, some bands will get lucky, some bands won't. Uh, venues are getting there. You know, there's a popular venue here. I'm sure you've been there. Gas Monkey is Dallas. Oh yeah, and yep. that got shut down. So you know, there's so many other venues that um, you know around the nation that have been shut down, you know, due to yeah. this whole thing. And which is mainly the venues that the bands like I work with go through are like the more mom and pop as opposed to like the live nations or AEGs. Yeah. Like, you know, aside from your tour managing, we talked about this briefly. You did play in a few hardcore bands based out of new England, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Do, do you still keep in touch with the, with, with the bandmates when you, when you played with them? Yeah, actually <clears throat> me, my old singer and my old drummer, my old drummer lives in Vermont and uh, I went to, I've got to go visit him a couple times during this whole thing. And awesome. my old singer came with us too, which was rad. Cause I haven't seen them in a while. I haven't seen a bunch of the other band members cause they were all from Maine. Um, so I was driving up to Maine like two and a half hours every weekend to go jam with those guys. I haven't got to see those guys in a little while. I got to see the original singer when I was on the Slayer tour cause he came out to that, which was awesome so freaking cool (laughs) and uh and then i want to say uh one of the fans that was basically at like every band practice he was like an extra member of the band yeah there was a few (laughs) people up there that would like be at every band practice like hanging out this dude rick and got to see him so that was really cool but yeah i haven't got to go up into maine to see those guys for a minute now and you yeah, also, really yeah, yeah. And, and you also spent time at a small production company running small to mid-sized events. What was that production company called? Uh, they were called Image Productions. Okay. Uh, those guys I could talk some funny stuff about. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, we did, we did a bunch of, uh, I'm sorry, you were probably going to ask something, but um, yeah, Im- well, Image Productions out of Auburn, Mass. I was going to say, because uh, aside from that, you also did miss america pageants and run for your life zombie 5ks talk about those experiences. what was your biggest takeaway from those from those like you know we're talking we talked about the heavy metal scene but this is this is talking about changing the atmosphere you've been through all of it man it, they, that was yeah they were a different company they were a small production company so it definitely wasn't like the miss america pageants you'd see on tv but it was like you know, the Miss America pageants that would be run out of like a, uh, a hotel somewhere in Ohio or something. So we would bring in lights and sound and, and maybe a small stage. 
and it would usually be like a skeleton crew of like four or less people that would run it uh, for the weekends. But like, yeah, I, I, my more or less task aside from like help setting it up and tearing it down was I usually had to run a spotlight, which for Miss America pageants, man, that I don't want to run spotlight. It's like, it, it officially made me never <laughs> fucking want to have anything to do with spotlights but I love lights. So I was just like, man, this sucks. But it was, <laughs> it, it was, uh, I don't know. It was cool just to be, just to see how different events kind of work because that again, yeah, definitely not my scene for sure. But well, uh, I would wonder if it would allow you to input those learning experiences into other jobs. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think as far as like running production, um, doing anything with the stage or live events, it's very translatable to a lot of other events. It's just a matter of usually the people within those events and how they like their their show to actually be run. So I think, you know, definitely if like even for <clears throat> like a house staff at a venue, they've got to do that on a very regular basis with whatever touring act is coming through already. So mm -hmm. that's a that's a fairly common thing I would say for people within production that they usually bounce around a lot of different types of production while kind of focusing on one main type. Yeah, and you currently work at the Palladium, correct? In Western? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, and it's a, what you told me, it was a 2200 cap theater venue in Western. You know, how is that venue holding up? Are you guys doing okay over there? Well, that, it, actually, yeah, for the most part. Um, a few years ago, we actually had some dude uh, come into the city who took a, took a shine to the venue and wanted to help out and put some money into renovating. So we put some renovations into the venue and, we're able to get a better contract going with the with a, the sound and the lighting company that we were maybe not on the best of terms with at the time or like on just kind of like the fence with because some things were getting kind of shoddy around the venue and with some of the bands coming through. So once this guy kind of came in and helped kind of revamp a little bit of it, it's definitely helped out in a big way. Like it, yeah. it seems, uh, it definitely seems like there's, um, a bit more vigor in the in the building again like people aren't as upset with the showers and you know just it's just simple little things that can sometimes yeah. bum out some bands have you heard of neva neva no i haven't so neva um let me tell you neva it, it's national independent venue association it's their mission is to preserve and nurture the ecosystem of independent live music venues and promotes uh promotions promoters throughout the united states so it's a it's a big thing now because it's a way to save the venues from falling, falling apart. And the Palladium is actually one of those charters. I don't know if you knew that, but no, you know, know yeah. And they have, and even though they just formed Neva, they have nearly 2000 charter members in all 50 States. So, oh, wow. the, so uh, having said that, I'm saying uh, it's good to know that the Palladium is in that. And I know you guys have such a rich history behind the venue. And um, that's oh, why I wanted dude, to ask, yeah. you know, how, how is that holding up? But Neva, you know, for my listeners who don't know, and, and for you, you know, Neva is, it's a great place to, for people like us to go in there, you know, donate whatever you can, show our support. And it's, you know, even Congress has taken a part in this, you know, when it comes to, you know, Neva trying to make his placement to save That's live music. That's huge right now. Music. So, so anyway. Just I, I, really do, I really do fear for the state of like the mom and pop venues like the gas oh, definitely monkeys, yeah like the trees the scout scout bars like, god trees dude that is know, a like, legendary venue for us for me you know i've like, been there I, that i know that well, like same, in the back dude, of that my was hand. like some of the that was one of the venues i was first kind of touring through when i when i was first going like first wow. touring so it's like dude like there's a lot of mom and pop venues for each city 
that are so fucking crucial to building these scenes up in so many different levels, having some of the bigger bands that don't want to do the big fucking tour that can play a smaller place and still do all right. And for these smaller bands that really need the place to fucking cut their teeth and show what the fuck they can do. It's like, it's so fucking important. These, these smaller mom and pop venues. So I'm very, very happy that there is actually something like that. Cause too many are starting to fall by the wayside because of the situation right now. Yeah, it's NIVA. So if you just look it up, um, it's I mean, you'll, you'll find all the information on it. They have an Instagram too. It's it's pretty great that this exists, and uh, I think we should just you know let more people know that. I mean, there there is something like this out there to help the live music scene, you know, you know, flourish. You know, when when all this is over, like it's just hoping it gets saved, and it's that much important because it, it it gives people like you and me the reason to do what we do you know that's where we do it you know live music is a big part of our lives it's huge to me i mean i can honestly say like whether or not people want to even recognize it with themselves music is just a part of everybody's life and like even if you're not going to the live live shows and supporting them that way it's like there's at least at one point or another somebody's looking to a song to make them feel better about their shit day or something that they're going through or something. It's like it, music has this, uh, this very powerful ability with everybody. And I think people need to kind of respect and embrace it a little bit more. <laughs> as someone who's played, performed, worked, and managed, have your aspirations as a person or professional, have they changed or evolved since when you first started in the, in the industry? Do you see things differently now? I, I do see them differently, um, but I think it's because I just didn't know as much as I did before. Um, I think what I know now is kind of just made me focus a lot more on where exactly I kind of want to <clears throat> put my energy and go towards making this that much more of a thing for myself. So if you weren't in the music industry, what do you think you'd be doing right now? It's a tough one. Um, I was th- for before uh, when I almost kind of gave up, <laughs> most likely, because I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Um, but most likely, like, I was looking into kind of trying to get into, like, uh, the movie and makeup special effects kind of world at one point. Hey, I, I did that. that. It's great. I'm, I recommend yeah. it. I, I really think, again, like, I, I don't want to work just the normal jobs. Like, it's just kind of mm-hmm. – I've worked a lot of them, and it's uh, – I just don't feel like they give me the same uh, sense of enrichment. So again, I just, I feel like I just want to focus on that more than anything, but I almost did go, go through with trying to follow that career path for a little bit. Um, There was a few other things that I've looked at growing up. I did almost go to massage therapy school at one point, Awesome. but, but I was like, you know, just didn't, uh, (laughs) but but that's okay. That's okay. It shows. I feel like the more choices you have, the better. A lot of people say, oh, you need to focus on one goal. Again, uh, this is my opinion. If you focus on one goal, that's great. But for me, I like having multiple goals. I love having multiple options. I love I love that I can do this. I love I can just finish this and I can do a film, you know, or something like that. Write, write something. Just write a book. It's just something like that just to keep me engaged. We're all wired differently, and I just think people – it's not an easy thing for people to understand. From my perspective, you know, when you, when you tell someone I'm doing multiple things, oh, you, why are you doing that? You should focus on one. So it's more productive. But for me, that's how I stay productive and, and you're doing the same thing. 
everybody you said everybody is wired differently and i think you know for some people sitting down and being able to put the nose to the grindstone to finish your project right like i commend that but mm -hmm. for me it's like i'm a little too adhd in the brain where i almost <laughs> same need to have ideas building off of other ideas in a sense so i i kind of just i don't know for me it's all they're all kind of stepping stones that work together so what advice would you have for someone wanting to follow in your footsteps um Honestly, I would say if you truly love it um, and you want to follow it, just don't give up on it. Like there's a lot of things about this industry that'll and, and just work and life in general that'll make you want to give up whatever is in front of you at that moment because something maybe, you know, isn't financially reasonable with what you're doing at the time. Um, or you just might be going through some personal things. But I mm -hmm. think if you truly, truly want something, you just you follow it with the, with the truest heart and if you get it that is one of that is one of the coolest things if you don't don't worry about it because i think at the end of the day the experiences you will get by following your heart will will give you some lasting memories and i can vouch for that i mean we're here for that same reason you know i mean it's not like oh 10 years ago i want to be an interviewer oh i want to be a tour manager and now here we are connected doing what we totally doing what we love and <laughs> and uh it's it's it what makes us who we are and we've covered man everything from top to bottom chad and you know this is towards the interview the interview here but obviously i'm gonna have you back on the show as soon as possible once Dude, once everything gets back to normal <laughs> Man, so I, I want to ask you this question because this is a fun question to ask. Uh, I've asked this to most of my guests here, especially with, you know, uh, people who weren't musicians. Five albums you can think of at the top of your head. You kind of knew this was coming, right? Something like this. <laughs> Five albums that I can think of off the top of my head? Okay, well, I don't know why, but Goo Goo Dolls is a boy named Goo popped in my head. Oh, my God. No good, awesome. For no good reason. I love that band, actually. Um, uh, fucking Wilhelm Scream Ruiner popped in my head. Nice. Um, King Diamond popped in my head. Abigail. Um, Obituary Slowly We Rot. Classic. And then Since the Flood, No Compromise. I don't know if you know oh. Since the Flood. No, I don't. I know the other. I, I actually know the other four. I I've actually heard of that. But see, that again, that shows you could be listening to that right now. Maybe you were listening to that before this interview started or something like that. But it, I always like asking that question, just like, Top of your head. Uh, I remember for me, when someone asked me that, I had Sarah McLaughlin, and then I had Wolves in the Throne Room right after that. <laughs> See, perfect. <laughs> but That's how um, it should be. <laughs> man, before we finish up, do you have anything new, that, that something new that you're working on that you'd like my listeners to know? Just any shout outs, any plugs, anything you want to mention before we finish things off here? Um, I guess I'd like to give a shout out to a lot of the other roadies or people in my position kind of sitting at home and, you know, thinking sometimes that things might be, time might be ticking away a little bit quicker and mm -hmm. longer than you want it to at times. It's like, just stay positive. Just do your best to stay happy. Like it's very important for yourself. Easier said than done. And everyone, very this much. is Chad Toper or the Rad Chad, uh, <laughs> you know, tour manager extraordinaire. Chad, thank you so much. Uh, you know, please stay safe out there. You know, we'll stay in touch and hopefully I'll see you in the road once you guys get back out there, once we all get back out there, once who knows when all this is over. But at to some extent, I'm hoping we see you again in person. Man, I Sunny, appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it as well. And we definitely will make a path crossing soon. Definitely. <laughs> Wonderful.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.